3: everybody, and welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. Always happy to have you on board with us. If you happen to be listening live today, give us a call. Come on. It's fun. It's easy. If you are in the U.S. of A., you can call us at 888-558-6489. And if you are all around the world, somewhere far away and fascinating, you can call us at 816-347-6489. Five five one nine. I sure hope I said that right. I think that did I did. Did I, Jeff? Yeah. See, I've been doing my Lumosity. Do you guys know about Lumosity? It's brain training. I learned about it in Neil Barnard's book, Power Foods for the Brain. He was a guest a while back. If you want to check out that show on the Unity Online Radio archives or on iTunes or Stitcher or one of those places. But anyway, on Lumosity, you You play brain games every day. And I was never a game kind of person. I never did crossword puzzles or anything, probably, because I just wasn't very good at them. But now, as I move forward in life, it seems that I better start liking that kind of stuff to keep the brain Moving right along. And I really think it's working. I really, really think it's working, especially since we don't have to remember things like telephone numbers anymore. So I hope that what you are remembering of this summer that is just about to pass us by is a lovely, lovely memory. I'll just bring you up to date a little bit on what's going on up here in New York City, Main Street vegan country. Just went to lunch with my husband at Candle Cafe West. It was so nice. He's been traveling a lot. First, he was in Thailand, and then he was in Portugal and Switzerland. I looked at his watch today, and I said, where on earth is that the time for? And I'm not sure he really knew. But anyway, we hadn't had a date in a long time. And so we went up to Candle Cafe West and had some wonderful vegetables. And you know what? People change. My lovely husband, when I met him, was your typical Kansas boy. Now, he had lived all over Europe and the Middle East and other places doing international business in his adult life, but he kind of kept his diet very much the way it was when he was growing up back in the 60s and 70s in the Midwest. And so even after he became vegetarian, he really, he liked veggie burgers and Pasta with tomato sauce on it. But since he's become vegan and now he's a high raw vegan, which I just think is a way healthy thing to do it's really really working for him. He has so expanded and now he eats green things and it was just so much fun to go to the restaurant and we all we both had the market plate where you get to kind of pick side dishes and put them together and it was so colorful and lovely and sweet and i hope that he believes that i have grown in some good ways along with him because he's certainly grown in good ways along with me. A couple other fun things that have happened this week on monday evening there was a book signing and lecture down at Moose Shoes, our wonderful New York City um, non-animal shoe belt bag and uh, jacket shop. And that was with David Simons, who's written a book called Meatonomics, and we're going to have him on his show, hopefully, on our show, hopefully, pretty soon. Uh, Meatonomics is about the economic impact of raising animals for food. It was quite, quite fascinating. So I decided that I would take my dog, Forbes, which is always a good idea, except I decided that I would schlep his stroller so he'd be legal in the subway. And you know what? It was not a good idea because somehow I picked up the stroller with one arm and I did it kind of funny wonky somehow and threw my back out. Now, that is one of those phrases that I just never knew what it meant. You know, there are lots of phrases we kind of throw around in, in the world that if you've never experienced it, it doesn't make much sense. And I always thought, how can you throw your back out? I mean, please, that's like you'd have to throw your whole body out to be able to throw your back out. But you know what? The second it happened, the absolute second that this happened, I was like, oh, that's what it means. And that is exactly what it feels like. So I have been babying myself uh, a little bit this week and kind of getting other people to walk Forbes whenever that's possible and laying off the gym for a few days, which, you know, it's funny. When you get in gym mode, it's hard to lay off, and when you're not in gym mode, it's hard to show up. Very strange um, psychological state, that one. But it was such, such a fun night. Very eager to have um, the author of Metonomics on the show. And then another fun thing was the New York Fashion Week tie-in show of Brave Gentleman. Now, Brave Gentleman is the menswear line designed by Joshua Catcher. Joshua is a wonderful designer, a publisher. He's a teacher of sustainable fashion at uh, FIT and Laboratory Institute of Merchandising here in New York City. He is really a, a fashion force of nature, I think he's going to change that whole world, if not the whole world. So this was his menswear line uh, for the new season. And oh, it was so much fun. It was so much fun to go and see people all fashiony, And then they had all of these very fancy pastries, which I did not eat, but which I looked at. And they were so, so beautiful. Even the vegan pastries can just be as pretty as well as as tasty as any of the other kinds. So that was a lovely, lovely day. There were some people there who have been on the show. uh, Chloe Joe Davis of uh, girlygirlarmy.com. Oh, that was a great show. She talked about vegan parenting and other fun people. And you know what? Whenever you are in New York City, maybe you want to come to Main Street Vegan Academy. That's the kind of fun stuff that we'll do. Would love to hang out in my favorite town with you one of these days. And right now, let's just pause for a break so we can hang out together with two wonderful guests today. First, we'll be bringing on Caroline DuPont, author of The New Enlightened Eating, and then the wonderful children's book author, Ruby Roth, with her brand new book, V is for Vegan. Stay with us.
0: These are the things that lead to a fuller, richer life experience, and striving to attain these things is a rewarding journey in and of itself. Let your journey begin at Awaken Whole Life Center, located on the Unity Village campus. Here, you'll discover unique approaches to nurture body, mind, and spirit, a holistic approach to your health and well-being. Visit us online at AwakenWholeLifeCenter.com. That's AwakenWholeLifeCenter.com.
1: What if you could experience vibrant health?
2: Hi,
3: friends. It's Victoria Moran here, your host for Main Street Vegan. Very happy to be introducing my first guest today. And she is Caroline Marie DuPont, MSC. She's been exploring living and teaching an integrative approach to health for over 20 years. She's the author of the DVD, Enlightened Eating, Several Meditation CDs, and the Clear Being Holistic Home Fitness Program DVD. She's a senior instructor at the Canadian School of of Natural natural Nutrition, and she's taught hundreds of food preparation classes to thousands of students. You can find her at carolinedupont.com, and we are going to be talking about her really beautiful book. Gosh, I love books when they are absolutely gorgeous, and this one is. It's called The New Enlightened Eating, Simple Recipes for Extraordinary Living. Welcome, Caroline.
4: Thank you, Victoria. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh,
3: it is a pleasure to have you. It is a pleasure to be holding your book in my hand. You know, when this says simple recipes, they really are simple, but they don't taste simple.
4: Yes. Yeah. I I really think that, um, I mean, my, my desire is to help people to integrate healthy food into their lives and... Um, it does need to be simple because most of us don't have a lot of time to spend in the kitchen. And in order for us to really enjoy it and to kind of pull our our families into and our children into healthy eating, it needs to be delicious as well. So it's a knack and it it, it takes time, I think, to develop because many of us have not been um, exposed to mothers who like to cook and Um, or fathers or any any homes, you know, where cooking is happening on a regular basis. And um, not only that, making vegan and plant-based foods delicious is something that's really just kind of in the forefront in this generation. So um, that's been my mission in the last uh, 25 years or so.
3: Well, you do a beautiful job of it, and I think there really is a knack. It's a little bit like fashion. You know, people can go out and buy thousands and thousands of dollars worth of clothes but still not really look as wonderful as somebody who has <laughs> five or six outfits that were really well selected and that that's fit right. Yeah, that's so good, I just want to I want to give some of the names of your recipes just because this gives people an idea of how, in an extremely healthy way, you can share with people how to eat the kind of food that that is all that we know about this new wave of plant-based eating but that also provides the comforts of home mm-hmm. so you've got lentil salad you have a Dijon miso dressing shepherd's pie cheesy vegetable pie mashed sweet potatoes yum 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 <laughs> chocolate truffles a fruit nut and fruit nut and cereal bars make your own bars save lots of money oatmeal, chocolate chip cookies. I mean, this is not traditional health food, and yet your mission is about health. Tell us how you brought the two together.
4: Well, um, I've always been interested in health, um, just as long as I can remember, and so my journey has has really taken me to explore different aspects of healthy living. It started with fitness and then uh, moved into nutrition and you know as most of us who are on this journey discover it's not just one or two things that need to be there in order to create total health and over time i recognize that um, that the emotional aspect of um, living was really important to our overall health as was our connection to our authentic selves uh through through spirituality So um, my interest in health has been evolving over time. My definition of what health is has been evolving over time. And for me, um, the nutritional piece came in shortly after my first child was born 25 years ago. And um, it just basically, you know, having a child and and now needing to nourish a child and, and hopefully helping this child to become all that he can be and then later on his sister really Uh, made me pause and think about what I wanted to feed him. And uh, this was when I first started exploring vegetarianism. Uh, John Robbins' book had just come out shortly before Jeremy was born, Diet for New America. And I read that and became vegan within a week. Um, At the same time, I was, you know, as I adopted the vegan diet, I didn't always do it in the healthiest ways at first. And basically used my body as um, as a lab and recognized what made me feel more vital and what made me feel less vital. So, for example, at the beginning, I was using some processed vegan foods. And um, over time, you know, with this desire to stay healthy and vital, I've really cut out all the refined foods, uh, you know, vegan and, and non-vegan, and really want to work with uh, whole foods as close to their natural state. As possible, and you know, you were just listing some of the recipes. You, most of them were were cooked, but actually, like your husband, I'm 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 and in and you because I read your book, Main Street Vegan. It seems like you're also high raw, and uh, that's really what I've come to as well um, in my exploration over the years. And those um, kind of cooked foods, comfort foods, really come in mainly maybe one meal a day uh, in the winter time. You know, when you're looking for something just kind of more grounding, warming, and heartier. Other than that, I eat uh, lots of juices and smoothies and salads and um, just simple raw foods.
3: Yeah, I think that so many people who get into this eventually wend their way (laughs) to a simpler kind of diet. So you talk a lot in here about things other than just food and recipes. And even though, what would we say, two-thirds of the book is recipes, that first third is chock full of really important information, too. So I want to ask you about some of those things. You say in here to eat an alkaline diet, and I think that just confuses the heck out of a lot of people. Can
4: you make it simple for us? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Basically, the human body, um, the, the blood in particular, needs to be in a slightly alkaline state, which means that um, you know you can either the body's either acid or alkaline or neutral. But for the human body to operate well, it needs to be slightly alkaline. And um, basically, we found that um, when 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 a person's diet is about 80% alkaline foods, this keeps them in a positive alkaline state. Why do we need to be alkaline? Well, because most diseases form in an acid state. So um, the disease process happens in an acid state. So when you shift yourself to more alkaline, um, your likelihood of developing diseases really decreases. Now, to keep it simple, basically all your vegetables and fruit are alkaline. And everything else is acid-forming. So that includes grains, nuts, seeds. Um, of course, all of your animal products as well are acid-forming. So what I encourage people to do is to make sure that three-quarters or up to 80% of their diet is vegetables and fruit. And that's, uh, that's it in, a, in an easy, hopefully, nutshell.
3: That is simple. Now, probably not easy, for a lot of people, um, but but beautifully explained, probably the best explanation that I have heard of that ever. So thank you very much from me and from, uh, from our other uh, listeners. Now, you also talk about anti-nutrients. What's an anti-nutrient? It sounds like something from science fiction.
4: Ah, yeah. Well, of course, our bodies need... Um... Nutrients. The cells of our bodies need nutrients to thrive, and that could be, you know, your your carbohydrates, your proteins, your fats, your vitamins, your minerals, your phytonutrients, and these are all kind of the components that um, the cells and the body needs. All the systems in the body need to thrive. But one of the things that we forget sometimes, it's not just what you're taking into your body that's important. It's what you're not destroying. Um, and also what you're not. Um, uh, sometimes we don't actually absorb what we're eating, but that's kind of the whole digestion issue. In terms of anti-nutrients, there are certain things that we might be doing in our lifestyle that might be actually depleting um, some of our nutrients. So, for example, a common one is caffeine is known to deplete uh, minerals because it, it um, decreases our absorption of them. Um, refined foods are anti-nutrients. So for example, when you eat refined sugar, oftentimes what happens, because that's a nutrient depleted food, it actually will draw from your your nutrient store. So sugar, for example, will pull iron out of your blood and pull calcium out of your bones um, because those uh, particular minerals have been taken out of the, the sugarcane sap in the first place. So Certain foods actually pull nutrients out of our body, and we, we need to avoid uh, as much as possible those in our diet. And it's not just foods. It's, it's um, anything that's a chemical, um, uses up our antioxidants. Um, stress can create an acid state in our system, which, again, draws on our alkaline minerals and starts depleting our bones and, and um, other minerals in our system. So... It's just it's commonly known things, really. It's uh, anything that we kind of commonly know that is not good for us is generally considered to be an anti-nutrient.
3: This is fascinating because everything seems to be connected. You talked about caffeine as an anti-nutrient, and I am remembering a speaker that I heard just last week at the Bethlehem Veg Fest who actually tests her. Um, pH level, and she says that one cup of coffee can send her over the edge from being generally alkaline and into being acidic. And you're talking about stress as well as an anti-nutrient. And I know that you really see diet as part of one's overall spiritual approach to life. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, well, for me, um, when I changed to a vegan diet... I had a huge awakening to what we might call my authentic nature so before I was vegetarian and also before I had my children I was pretty asleep like as I look back I really didn't know who I was I didn't um, I didn't I wasn't manifesting who I was I was shy I was um, just wasn't really myself and then um, after Jeremy was born and after I shifted my diet, it was like there was this awakening that happened. It was like as I started taking in these plant-based based foods, they were not only supporting better physical health, but somehow they were opening me to this curiosity about what life was and who I was. And it—I it, mean, the metaphor is there. The more you take in real foods the more you can discover the real you. So there was that piece that was coming in, and that sort of opened me up to, um, I guess, this this integral part of who I've always been, which is someone who is interested in um, who I essentially am. So beyond the physical body, beyond my circumstances, my nationality, all of that, um, there's something essential in each one of us that is really our teacher in our lifetimes, and I'm interested in anything that can help me and that can help others to connect to that essential part of themselves because I feel that it this that particular journey inwards is pr- the most powerful thing that we can do to um, change the whole environment on this planet for the better, um, because when we connect to what we to who and what we really are, we recognize that we're one with everything. And then the choice is to not harm animals or to not harm other people or to take more than we need. It's just simple because it's just part of our spiritual values.
3: That is lovely. Now, I know that you also have a practice of blessing your food. Why do you do that and how do you do it?
4: Um, well, the blessing of the food is really just taking a moment before we dive into connect, to have a relationship with the food, um, to just pause for a moment and um, just be still and silent and in that stillness and silence, um, sometimes just this natural gratitude comes up and I feel that that is um, really conducive to, to good digestion, to the body being able to receive um, the food. Um, sometimes I actually, as I connect with the food i can I can see the farmers and the land and the rain and you know you connect to all the energies that that have brought this food to you and there 's this sense of um again it 's a natural gratitude it 's not a forced gratitude um so generally it's it 's not really a formal prayer that I say but it 's just a pausing and as i said um when we connect with the food and the relationship that we have with the food, there's just this uh, natural sense of, um, of uh, kind of, uh, you, just, you, you, you feel the, the basic sameness of everything and how we're constantly being provided for by this, this planet that we're living on.
3: That is so true and so beautiful. I remember, oh, this was a long time ago when the Menninger Clinic was still in Topeka, Kansas, and I was living in the Midwest, and there was quite a lot of press being given to the fact that they were doing a study looking at yogis from India, trying to figure out if they could indeed do all of these amazing feats like Slowing down their heart rate and stopping their bleeding and things like that, or if they were just fakirs. And one of the tests that they did was that they brought in regular townspeople from Topeka and they had a big buffet of food. And they told these people, I want you to pray, and however you do that in your religion or your worldview, over part of these items and the other ones don't pray over. And then they moved out the townspeople and they brought in the yogis. And the yogis were able to tell with 100% accuracy which foods had been blessed and which hadn't. And that was when I decided, okay, I'm blessing (laughs) the food, (laughs) if it's that obvious. Now, I want to ask you something, Caroline, about not eating. You actually have the courage to say in your book things that other people aren't saying. Too much. You use uh, words like frugal when it comes to eating, and you also talk about fasting at yeah. least fourteen hours per day.
4: Yeah. How come? Okay. Well, um, frugal basically is, means that um, you know you're you're eating when you 're eating higher quality foods, you tend to be satisfied on less, and also when you 're not using food as an emotional soother just as a physical um, nourishment, you tend to be satisfied on less too and it 's been shown that in the cultures where there 's the greatest longevity, um, they take in about half the amount of calories that we do in in uh, North america and uh, we've also shown through studies on, um, on animals that if you feed them half the amount of food that they would eat on their own if they were given kind of free reign to whatever, how much food they wanted, they live twice as long. So it's, it, it's probably the most potent thing that we can do to increase our health and longevity uh, by decreasing the amount of calories that we're consuming. Now, of course, if you're going to do that, the amount of calories that you are eating need to be top quality, and also you want to make sure that your digestive system is functioning well, which I, I devote, you know, the second chapter in my book to that whole um, topic of improving your digestion. Um, in terms of the fasting, basically, um, the 14 hours a day is really to give your digestive system enough of a break so that you can shift into, one, the utilization of the nutrients that you've taken through the day, and two, the detoxification of the body. The body has, you know, various phases that it goes through. And um, if we spend too much time in in digestion, there's not enough energy left for... First of all, the utilization, the rebuilding, and the repair of the body. And secondly, the detoxification. And as I think we all know, um, detoxification is a is primary cause of disease. Well,
3: that is something that you know, and that I don't think a lot of people know. And I actually question whether a lot of the healthcare providers know this. But you have given a really wonderful chart called Signs and Symptoms of Toxicity. We're nearly out of time, but can you just give us a little bit of info on what toxicity is and how to get rid of it? Okay.
4: Well, toxicity is a buildup of, of um, a, a number of things in your body that happens as a result of, one, being exposed to a lot of chemicals and over um, overburdening your organs of elimination. So being exposed to more chemicals than your system can actually eliminate. And... Um, So this process of of fasting, and actually I lead two community juice fasts every year where we fast for a week on just fresh juices. This process of fasting, either on a daily basis or, um, you know, as a conscious fast, uh, once a year or twice a year, is something that we can do to give our bodies... Um, a break from taking in food so that that energy that we would normally be using for digestion can be turned towards digging out the toxins that we might have been building up in our bodies um, over time. And um, it's an extremely powerful means for ridding ourselves of the chemicals that we're invariably exposed to. I mean, even if we're extremely careful about what we eat, um, there's lots of things in our water, in our air, um, in what we use to decorate our homes, etc. Um, and even just chemicals from our childhood can, st- you know, before we started living organic lives, can still be really deeply embedded in our tissues. So mm-hmm. fasting is a way to help us dig dig those out.
3: Oh, I thank you so much for this. I thank you for your courage. I thank you for your truthfulness. This is a beautiful, beautiful book, The New Enlightened Eating, Simple Recipes for Extraordinary Living by Caroline Marie DuPont. And you can get more great information on Caroline's website, carolinedupont.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
4: Thank you, Victoria. It was my pleasure. All the best to you.
3: Oh, and all the best to you. I'm going to make garlicky green soup tonight, thanks to you. One of the other Enjoy. yummy recipes. <laughs> thanks so much. And everybody, stay with us because we're going to be talking about kid stuff with one of my favorites, Ruby Roth, right after the break. Jeff? Jeff?
1: Who is God? And what is our life's purpose? Author and minister, Ogan Holder, found his answers the hard way. Through inner turmoil and doubt, with candor and humor, he shares why it's good to doubt, even if you're a minister, in Rants to Revelations, new from Unity Books. Simply put,
2: to doubt myself is to doubt God. If I embrace God as the very operating principles of the universe... The connecting space between us, the fabric of existence, and that I am the physical embodiment of all that, then how could there be room for doubt in myself? My salvation lies in the following premise doubt is the beginning of faith.
1: Read more from Rants to Revelations and order your copy today. Visit rants2revs.com.
0: Balance, harmony, peace. These are the things that lead to a fuller, richer life experience. And striving to attain these things is a rewarding journey in and of itself. Let your journey begin at Awaken Whole Life Center, located on the Unity Village campus. Here, you'll discover unique approaches to nurture body, mind, and spirit. A holistic approach to your health and well-being. Visit us online at AwakenWholeLifeCenter.com. That's AwakenWholeLifeCenter.com.
1: Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran.
3: Hey everybody, welcome back to Main Street Vegan. Thanks so much for being with us today. And you know you can call in, 888-559-6489. We would just love to talk with you. And if you call in today, you can talk to somebody that I think is just remarkable, Ruby Roth is changing the world for animals, starting with little people. Um, Ruby, as you remember, is the author of a couple of best-selling books. Her website is wedonteatanimals.com, and Ruby has been featured on CNN, Fox, Today, and All over the media, she is the world's leading author and illustrator of vegan and vegetarian books for children. And she has a brand new one just out called V is for Vegan, the ABCs of Being Kind. Welcome, Ruby Roth. Hi, so glad to be back with you again. Well, it is wonderful to hear you. So what's the inspiration for this new book?
5: Well, we know that the vegan population has doubled in size since 2009, and that means there's going to be more babies, (laughs) and there's definitely more and more people interested in raising children vegan from pregnancy and on, so I wanted to create a prequel to my first two books, which are for slightly older kids, um, Seven and Up, this one's for Um, ages three to six, and this sets a real tone of joy about the lifestyle, and it's funny, and it rhymes, and it's all of veganism in 26 sentences, Um, and I promise that it will um, inspire laughter and learning with rhymes that kids can remember.
3: Oh, that sounds so fun. Jeff has reminded me I gave the... After bragging about my Lumosity training, I gave the 888 number incorrectly. It's 888-558-6489. Excuse me. So, Ruby, tell us some of the 26 wonderful rhymy lines that tell us about veganism.
5: Well, I'll give you a few of the lines together because they're written in couplets. So it starts, A is for animals, friends, not food. We don't eat our friends. They would find it quite rude. (laughs) B is for beauty. Enjoy it together. C is for clothing. No skins, fur, or feathers. D is for dairy. Moo. Milk is for cows. E is for eggs. From a chicken's butt? Wow. I love
3: it. So you can see I
5: I don't shy away from the issues, but it's approached with... um, With love and with humor, and I know that kids get a kick out of that kind of humor. They're going to love it. it.
3: (laughs) Well, now, I, I know my gift for every vegan and vegetarian that I know who has kids that is so much fun, and I think it also speaks to the
5: toddler and all of us. That's for really sure. I tell people, even adults, to keep it on their coffee table book, as a coffee table book. Keep it in their waiting room if they're a doctor or a dentist. And I think it's fun for adults to pick up and just see what in the world is inside.
3: Yeah. Now, you know, Ruby, we still get the question. People will say, well, yeah, that's great for you. And I understand you've lowered your cholesterol and you've lost weight and you've done whatever, whatever since you changed your diet. But it is not appropriate for children. What do you do with that?
5: I think we have to really get real about the trajectory that kids are on in the United States with obesity. We have um, 20% of kids ages 2 to 19 who are obese, Um, there's 70% now of Americans are on prescription medication, mostly for illness that is preventable. And I think at this point, environmentally, with health, with our economy, we can't afford to wait until they're older to teach this new generation um, new ways of loving, thinking, and behaving. You've said it there.
3: (laughs) That's really wonderful. And there are actually benefits, kind of surprising benefits for kids.
5: Yeah, I think besides the practical aspects of health and all that we do for animals with veganism, there's some um, psychological effects that we don't always talk about. And um, I really think that veganism is a great teacher, of qualities that leaders in all sectors of education and industry have stated that we are gravely lacking from innovators to creative and critical thinkers to students with passion and drive and perseverance and grit. They're finding that these skills and qualities are actually more predictive of lifelong success in all areas of life than IQ is. So I really see um, with the vegan kids that I know that they are very passionate and they are creative and they are critical thinkers. They have been taught from a very young age to read between the lines. And I think that being in the minority, which we often are, especially kids in the classrooms, you have to have some grit and um, some real strength and drive and perseverance to um, stick to your guns. And I think that we are raising kids with those character strengths and values. And it's not only of um, benefit to ourselves, but it's of benefit to this entire nation.
3: No, I absolutely agree. And having raised a now grown-up daughter as a vegan, I see it in her. I see it in the kids that she grew up with. It's very interesting that we seem to have come to a time in history where the overall idea is, well, you know, if it's hard, don't do it. I was talking about fasting with my previous guest. She was talking about 14 hours a day with no food. Can we do that? And someone had sent me something last week. He's a Catholic, and the Pope had called for a day of fasting for peace in the Middle East last Saturday. But the message said, and you don't really have to fast. You could just not eat between meals. And I thought, what have we come to? (laughs) As a civilization, if just not eating between meals, which a lot of us consider is kind of normal, yeah, is now considered such a sacrifice, it might bring about peace in the Middle
5: East. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people really act like that's when they really act like addicts is when you when you you know you have a serious problem when you can't even discuss something as simple as fasting for a few hours, even. Yeah. Oh, that's without fascinating. such an outrageous reaction. And I always say to that question when people say, isn't it hard? And I always say, being sick, that is hard. Mm. Trying to pay medical bills that are beyond what any human being can possibly pay, that is hard. Fasting, which is part of many cultures and history around the world, that is not hard. And this lifestyle that is so joyous and that makes your life easier in so many respects from you know, your health to your energy, that is not hard. That mm. is a joy.
3: That that is really lovely. And I think we have this idea, oh well, health wise, just wait. You know, wait until you start having all those problems that people get after 40. But those were building from the very beginning. Some research that I found when I was uh, researching Main Street Vegan was that in terms of prostate cancer, if a man changes to a vegan diet in adulthood, he hedges his bet somewhat about developing prostate cancer. But little boys who have been vegan from childhood virtually never get it there's something about that lifelong nutritional input that really makes a difference for the kind of diseases that we think of only happen in maturity and old age.
5: Absolutely, and I think that it's not just popping an antioxidant pill. There's something about the whole food, the cofactors that come along with those antioxidants in these whole foods that is not, um, it's not replaceable by pill.
3: Yeah. And the ethics are in no way replaceable by pill. Tell me what you see with your daughter and with other vegan kids. Their sensitivity, their sensibility, what do they say to you?
5: I am extremely proud of my stepdaughter. She's eight now, um, and she thoroughly understands the vegan lifestyle inside and out. She can carry on an adult conversation about it, whether it's organic food or GMOs or um, cacao or coconuts and superfoods. So in our house, it's so normalized that it just is. It it was never about enforcement, but just about education. And I think that all families, especially those who are just getting on board now, um, it's a transition period for sure, but we can all get to that place and um, she is totally fine with uh, you know when her if her class is going to the zoo she's totally fine if we decide to go to farm sanctuary instead she totally gets it.
3: Oh, that's lovely. And I think that's one of the things that people don't understand. They they tend to panic about the idea of, oh my goodness, you're causing this child to be different. Isn't that going to warp her? But in my experience of, of raising a vegan kid, once she understood about the animals, she didn't want anything to do with that other stuff. It, it wasn't any kind of sacrifice, it would it would be like you know telling a child to do something mean to another human. They don't want to do that. That's not how they're made.
5: Absolutely, veganism makes perfect sense. All of the tenets of veganism to children, and I I think that um, you know this concept of childhood that children are so innocent and pure and fragile is just one that is made up. It is not universal. It is not universally accepted around the world, and I, I think we all need to take a look at that and not be afraid to include our children in the discussion and to speak frankly, not get overly emotional and put them on emotional alert, um, but just state the facts, and they can, I promise, I've seen it over and over and over again, not one child have I ever seen overwhelmed by the information in my books, and I think that is because veganism offers um, a solution and an affirmation to um, these issues that we face. And kids get it.
3: Kids do get it, and parents will get it when
5: they read your books. So the new
3: one we're talking about today is V is for Vegan, and that is the ABCs of Being Kind. Do I have your subtitle right? Yes. Okay, love it. Tell me about that word vegan. A lot of people don't like it these days.
5: You know, I I know people that use plant-based to try to catch a wider audience, and I know people who are very hardcore about sticking with the word vegan. And I think that we need different voices. I don't mind when one person uses one or the other. I think we have many different voices as far as leadership in the community, and that works to our benefit. I think that the word vegan has changed even in the last few years. When I first put out my book in 2009, it was, you know, publishers and the marketing department, they weren't sure about using the word vegan in the title. And I fought for it, and now it has become a selling point in titles. Mm, Um, In titles and in food. (laughs) Absolutely. People are writing vegan on, you know, on their cracker boxes, and companies are starting to get that there's this growing population looking for that stamp.
3: Right. So, and I think even even people who aren't vegan, they see it and they think, okay, well, that's going to be healthier. I mean, maybe it isn't really in that particular case, but the idea is, okay, it's vegan. I can have another one.
5: It is true. And I think a lot of the work that we've all done in this vegan community, all the sharing, all of the keeping this chatter going on Facebook and posting and Speaking up, it has affected the mainstream um, to the point where there's, a, I think, 30% now of the population reports eating veg meals more often, and they call themselves flexitarians. Yeah. Um, But we are starting to win them over. They they wouldn't be that open if they weren't starting to absorb um, the information about health benefits and ethical benefits.
3: So true. Now your website is just delightful. It's we don't com, and there's no apostrophe there, just we don't animals dot com. And you had a recent blog about how to keep your kids veg even when you're not there.
5: Yes, I think this is a back to school season issue that a lot of veg parents um, come up against and they're worried about all the birthday parties and the holiday celebrations, and I have a list of five things that I've kind of codified from the practices we've had in our household um, to make it to the point where our, you know, my stepdaughter is, you know, veganism is totally normalized. Um, but one of the things I think is most important is fostering um, a positive group identity. And many schools in our nation that are known for their successful kids, they have a practice of adorning their walls, um, their school T-shirts, with affirmative words, with affirmative quotes and images um, that kind of serve to um, maintain the school's culture. And I think we need to do that as well in our own VEG homes um, that's why I made the my art prints, which are available on my website they 're not just to be cute um, and it is to create this positive affirmation in the home constantly reaffirming our love for animals and nature and celebrating it.
3: Mm. Well, you go, mama. <laughs>
5: That's such great
3: information. I do want to ask you about another blog that you did. Now, this was back in June, so I hope I'm not asking you to think back too far. But you wrote about how to tell kids the truth about meat without inducing a meltdown. A lot of people worry about that.
5: Yes. Well, I posted that, that video that I think all of us have seen by now, the little boy in Brazil. And we get to witness that moment when he realizes that the food on his plate is an animal. And I thought that the way the mother in the video approached it um, was just the best way possible. She did not not for one second beat around the bush or avoid her child's questions. She was very straightforward and frank with him. And Got his wheels turning, and he responded in within you know those three minutes of the video, of saying, "Well, let's not eat them, and look what I'm doing. I'm doing a beautiful thing. If you haven't seen the video, you have to go watch it. Um, he's talking about um, the octopus on his plate, but I thought you know so many uh, so many adults avoid that moment, and they're not sure what to to say because the truth of animal agriculture is so horrific, and that's what comes to our minds. We don't need to be uber graphic with our kids, but we do need to answer straight up and with truth and honesty.
3: And you are so good at doing that and at teaching all parents and teachers everywhere. I think the reason that that particular video went so viral and caused such a stir was because we don't think of somebody in a high chair making a moral determination.
5: Yes,
3: it's true. we come here in some ways as fully formed beings, and we can indeed do that when given the chance. And with wonderful books like yours, we get more of a chance. So do check out Ruby Roth. Her prior book was Vegan is Love. Her website is We Don't Eat Animals.com. And the brand new book, which is so much fun, mm-hmm. V is for Vegan The ABCs of Being Kind. Thanks so much, Ruby. Thank you, Victoria. All the best. And everybody, Keep tuning in for Main Street Vegan. We have so much great stuff coming up. Next week, September 18th, 2013, we're going to have Melanie Joy, author of Why We Eat Love Dogs, Eat Pigs and Wear Cows. <laughs> And the following week, we're going to have, um, Jenny Messina and JL Fields with their brand new book, Vegan for Her. On the 2nd of October, we've got Colleen Patrick Goudreau, the wonderful, beautiful, uh, Voice of veganism, Colleen, is so, so great. And more wonderful people coming on through the fall. So do stay with us here live on unity.fm and also check us out on, on iTunes and elsewhere. Thanks so much to Unity Online Radio for hosting Main Street Vegan. To my wonderful engineer out there in KC and to all of you listening, God bless you and eat your veggies.
0: Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you and with God's help all shall be done perfectly.
1: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
0: Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.